0: Hi again everyone, welcome to Radio MVP episode number 57 as we continue down our path here talking sports and keeping you informed and having a lot of fun each and every week talking uh, sports with Anthony and I as we continue here. Well, it's all about the winter meetings and Mm -hmm. it's all about baseball and it's about football Yep, and a few other things going on in the world too. The Indians, wow. Yeah, (laughs) they uh, they made a decision after the end of the season to shake it up and make some changes, and a lot of rumors flying by that they were uh, taking offers and seeing uh, putting out on the market two of their starting pitchers, Uh, and they basically said any of them are on the market. We'll just see exactly what we want. We want a high price. We'll see how it comes down. They have not traded a pitcher yet. However, they have made changes to their daily lineup and mm-hmm. got to give them credit. I mean, they, they, uh, they decided not to stand pat, uh, like they did last year with the same offense, yep. basically for the last two years and they've made changes and they've, uh, wanted to save some money in the process. And I think they have achieved some of their goals. I don't think they're done. Uh, they have a long way to go because they had 12 free agents this past off season or current offseason, I should say. And I'm not sure any of them will be back with the Indians. I have my preference of which ones I would like to see return. And they may not be quite ready to make those moves yet, but I don't think the market's going to be going crazy neither. Uh, Some of those players the Indians had have have left, like Lonnie Shelton uh, Mm -hmm. to the Pirates and others. But the big splash was uh, the trade of... Incarcion to Seattle to get back a traded mm-hmm. Carlos Santana, who was in Seattle on paper for about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And uh uh via of Philadelphia. And uh, uh Carlos Santana is back with the Cleveland Indians and in playing first base as the Indians traded uh Alonzo yesterday night, or in the process of finishing up that trade to the Chicago White Sox. Mm-hmm. An in division trade which is quite unique and then you also have uh yanni diaz the indians uh deciding to move on from him and getting an outfield prospect in uh bowers from tampa bay so a lot going on for the indians offensively and uh in their positions obviously they have some holes to fill in the outfield and obviously they decided to uh you know in the process try to uh, put less of a financial strain on their future. And it looks like they have achieved some of their goals, but let's start with, uh, the Incarcion as Santana deal, uh, caught me off guard. I, when I first heard about it, Anthony, my first mm-hmm. thought, and this was a day or two before the draft the, the trade was, uh, consummated. I said to myself, I go, I don't quite get it. I I understand you know, saving money and mm-hmm. you're getting a player you're very familiar with who could play first base, but is he going to play first base for you today? You know, with the, with the yeah. players that you had on the team at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was the first red flag. And then, uh, you know, you're trading a guy, you know, in curse I know they owed him $25 million next year or more. And in, in the process, you know, we're looking to move that contract and I, I, and they got something of value back. I mean, and Carcion's like a 250 hitter usually and uh, 30 plus home runs and 100 RBIs yep. for a player who is a 230 hitter mm-hmm. and strikes out about the same rate. A switch hitter um, who's 32 years old, so a little younger, and it's about an 80 RBI max guy. So, and it has an absolutely horrible April and May right down yep. in the book. He'll have like three hits for the entire two months. <laughs> And then he'll pop up with the bases loaded or a runner at third base less than one out about 75% of the time. So that's what the Indians did. Um, I don't have a – I'm okay with it. I just, like, you know, eh,
1: It doesn't move your needle.
0: Yeah, it it doesn't move me. Look, it's –
1: when I first heard it, and I think you and I communicated shortly thereafter, it was – it wasn't a surprise to me. I think um, as you watch the the shows all week and read online like we do, you were kind of getting the hint maybe a Kluber or Bob were going to be traded first, and you always thought maybe Encarnacion or someone would be traded after. Um, after sitting back and digesting it, I don't hate the deal at all. I hate giving up Yandy Diaz, but he was never going to play the outfield. And right now, you owe Jason Kittness $13.5 million, $14 million, if I believe, if that's correct. It's somewhere in that ballpark. And there's there's, no, there's, not a big market for him. So, like we've talked about for months now, Jason Kittness is your second baseman. You're going to have to ride with him. So, you have Kittness a second and an MVP caliber third baseman and Jose Ramirez a third. Yonadier has, has said he did not want to play the outdoor. And that's why... He spent much of the year in AAA because he was unwilling to play the outfield. So that kind of limits him right there. They tried him a little bit at first and he's very raw there. So this was a salary dump. Let's let I know they say they're not rebuilding, it's not a fire sale. And they did this in ninety five and ninety six too. It, it's not a you get twenty five million off your books and then you You I agree with you. You're losing 35 home runs and 100 RBIs. You're getting a guy back that last year with Philadelphia had more walks and strikeouts. That's good. Uh, Like you said, he is going to, you can pencil him in right now for a horrific April and May. He'll go into June batting 150, 175. Um, he plays a really good defense at first base. Uh, that's one thing I will say about Santana in the last couple of years. He's, Evolved into a good defensive first baseman. Um, so you're dumping salary uh, with the trades and everything. I don't like trading Alonzo to the White Sox. I can understand trading Alonzo. I don't like trading in division. Um, I just, that's not, I don't like doing. It's It makes a lot of sense in the White Sox part. You now have another enticing offer for Manny Machado. Who's Alonzo's brother in law to come there and they have the cap space for him? With the trade, you free up $21.5 million. And I'm going to read you a Zach Meisel tweet right now. The White Sox are taking on all of Alonzo's entire salary, which means the Indians saved $21.5 million from 2019 from the offseason trades. They can use that flexibility to go get outfield help, which they glaringly need, and bullpen help. And they can contend next year. If they don't, it will get rather ugly at the corner.
0: Yeah, I read that tweet too. And I and go ahead, Tim. Uh, well, basically, he's not incorrect. I mean, what he says is true. And the Indians actually maybe has even saved another four, or five million, maybe up to six million dollars in cash that mm-hmm. they got from the Incarcion deal. Yeah, yeah, coming back. So you know they did save some money, and and that's good. I mean, that, look, they do have restraints. I think the Indians are retooling. I mean, obviously yep. the you you figure, all right, they let's use the figure about twenty-two million dollars that they, you mm-hmm. know, twenty-one, twenty-two million dollars that they got through their trades alone. Well, take ten million dollars off of that right off the top. That's going to Lindor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's gonna make ten plus million dollars this year in arbitration. That's where that money's coming from. I mean, he's here's a guy who made yep. around nine hundred thousand dollars last year. And he's going to get a 10 times raise this year so that's where that savings comes from okay they got now about nine ten million dollars to play with that's not a lot that's one player i mean that's basically when the, the indians traded uh the catcher and alonzo for a uh, minor league uh, prospects mm-hmm. it, it, you know that frees up basically what you're going to yep. need yep. cash well yeah, in a sense, if you want to call it that, but the same salary space as what you're going to pay uh, Lindor. It's just that yeah, it, it's it is what it is.
1: Signed Lindor to get
0: right. Lindor an arbitration and, then, and Lindor in a couple of years. And then what you did, you know, is trade incarcion for Santana, and Santana is going to cost you about thirty million dollars over the next two years mm-hmm. versus uh, the twenty-five million that you're going to pay incarcion this mm-hmm. year the $20 million salary and a $5 million buyout or you're going to pay him $40 million over two years. So, you know, they, in a sense, you save $10 million over two years on that deal. So I get it. And 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 I'm not, a, I'm not here to crunch numbers and that I'm looking at it. Baseball wise. I totally get it. And you look at the Indians office last year, it was subpar. It really yep. was. They needed to shake up 15. this team. Uh, there was a lot of players across the board who, underperformed the last couple of years and you know, they made year to year adjustments. I mean, they went and signed out Alonzo when they knew they couldn't sign Santana last yeah, year mm-hmm. and it worked out fine. And I like Alonzo. I thought he played I well. Do too. Um, I really don't buy into the Machado aspect. I think it's no. just a nice story. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that the white Sox won't be after oh. him. I think the white Sox were the after him no matter what. And I don't think, Machado's going to make a def- a a decision based on who's brother-in-law plays for. It's just it's a nice side story to me. It's well, just,
1: with Abreu the still there and Daniel pocket, it kind of makes you scratch your head if you're a White Sox guy, you know. Yeah, I they don't like know, Daniel Paca. They like his his power and Jose Abreu. You know, I I'm I probably going to trade a Abreu. Yeah, yeah,
0: and it makes sense. Uh We'll see what happens. I mean, he's a great player. I love. Oh, oh, god, you know? he's phenomenal. He's he's fun to watch. And uh he's he's he he's gonna help some team if not the White Sox this year. There's no Indian. question about it. As for the Bauer DS trade, I I don't have a problem with it. I I, I understand it. I, I understand it completely. Uh look, the Indians are looking for Thump in their lineup. They yep. you know obviously the game has become such a power hitting game. Yep. Uh that's why they brought in Alonzo last year because he changed the swing and and added power to his swing and he had a good year. I mean, he you know had, what about 82, 83 RBIs and uh, you know, about around 250. Mind, yeah. yeah. You know, he had he had a nice year. So I mean, I understand, you know, you're trading, you know, first basemans in Santana for Alonzo, and you get a little more defense. And Santana gives the effort the Indians are looking for, or I should say yep. the, the the not even the effort, the versatility. Exactly. Because yep. he's a switch hitter. Um batting both left handed and right handed uh is another weapon here for for Franco. going forward. And I think that was a big part of the the reasons why they liked him. Plus, I think that you know the history with them, they want they never really wanted to let him go last year, just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah, you make financial decisions, and you know, I think Carlos Santana fits well with the Indians, so I'm not too concerned. Um, you know, and uh, Jake Bauer, we'll see how he does. I, I'm kind of curious to see how he does. Obviously, I'm penciling him more in as a left fielder yep. than a first baseman. first baseman. I think he'll play some first base. Uh, I think they can definitely do a lefty-righty there You know, uh, with Santana yep. because you would have that opportunity. And Diaz, you know, the, the knock on Diaz is he just wouldn't hit for power. He made contact. He batted 280 mm-hmm. in his limited time with the Indians. Uh, we've seen him had the power. Drive and run. just, he doesn't seem to develop that might come later in his career. may never come. It could be kind of yeah. like a Lonnie Shelton. You know, yeah. everyone thought he was going to have more power than he did. And,
1: you know, 12, never.
0: 15 home run guy. I mean, he was what he was. Uh, and I like Lonnie Shelton. I think yep. he was a good ball player and I wish him well in Pittsburgh, but it was time to move on. I have no problem with that. And I have no problem, you know, at the catching position, you know, Gomes was great. I love watching Gomes. Yeah, I play. do too. However, uh, I like, like watching Perez play. I think Perez is just as good, if not better behind the plate, to be quite honest with you. And then when you look at what Perez has done when given opportunity as an everyday uh, catcher, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm Offensively, I think we'll be fine. Uh, he's a different type of hitter than Gomes, mm-hmm. but he can also really uh, go with the pitch better than uh, Gomes could. Gomes was a pull hitter. And uh Diaz, or I should is more of a up the middle hitter, you know. So or Perez, I should say, is more of a more up the middle uh opposite field type hitter. So who can who can turn on a ball and and, and and yank it out? So uh I'm not too concerned behind the plate. I know a lot of people are, but I'm not. Um could they g- go invest in a good veteran to put down a triple A or behind him this year? Yeah, that yeah. probably will happen uh as insurance as the season goes on because you know has uh, we'll just see if he plays i mean i don't know you know i he, he came all up brief. right now yeah yeah on that level let's wait and see but i love where the indians you know overall as long as they keep the pitching the starting pitching staff together if they're able to to achieve that i'm i'm excited you know but look at the savings you did right now basically play for lindor and bauer yep uh that's it. You haven't done anything. If you think you're bringing Michael Brantley back, you're, no, you're incorrect. No, it's not going to happen not, nope. unless Michael Brantley becomes on a one year deal for like seven, $8 million or $10 million type thing. And I just don't see that happening. No, Somebody I, out there will, will take a chance on him. Uh, he's just too good. Uh, he's too consistent. Uh, I hope he does wear an Indian's uniform again, because I think they need that type of player. However, realistically i just don't see it don't happening see it. you know if i had my choice on the players to return for the indians i've said it before and i'll say it again it's miller and allen i want pitching back as much as i want the outfielders back uh and if i had to get another outfielder back i think on the on it on the low end of the scale uh on on the pay wise i think cabrera is a potential person who could come back i'm not saying he will I think he'll probably find a better deal out there than what the Indians will offer. But if he wants to add an opportunity to uh, win and at his career stage, he may take that a little less and uh, play for a team. That's going to give him an opportunity uh, to play every day and to be a right fielder slash DH. And uh, you know, now that you don't have incursion. You know, Melky Cabrera may just be a better fit long term. I, I'm not really thinking that's going to happen. I'm just saying, I, it's something that, that I think the Indians are considering and waiting for the market to shake out to see who's available when. Yeah, I agree
1: with that completely. This is th- these moves right now. We're all predicated on making sure Bauer and Lindor get their arbitration money, and then after that, they'll see what they have left and they will probably they'll probably do what the Indians usually do, wait until late January, early February, and go out and get help for the bullpen of the outfield. Because like you said, I do think Melky Cabrera could still be there at that time. Anybody who thinks Michael Brown is coming back is, the Indians have already said they've closed the book, and I agree with you, the only way he does come back, if it's, a late, late signing before spring training starts and always pick them up and it's a one-year deal. I think once Harper gets off the market, then you'll see Michael Brant will be the next one to go. Because a 300-hitter with that kind of defense and that kind of consistency, as you said, but the key word with him is consistent. You know what you're going to get every night you put exactly. him
0: put in and the that book.
1: I mean- And that is exactly what you want as a manager.
0: Right, and, and and that's what Michael Brantley is. Michael Brantley is, you know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get exactly. 15 home runs. You're going to get 10 to 15 stolen bases. You're going to get an 85 RBI performance out of, you know, yep. uh, Michael Brantley. And you're going to get that consistent leadership that he brings. Uh, there's nothing flashy about it. You know exactly what he get. Yeah, pure swing and a guy who's going to get on base and a guy who's going to drive and runs and a guy you can put you know anywhere in the lineup from 3 to 7 if you wanted to or 2 to 7 if you mm-hmm. wanted to uh you know it all depends on how our manager chooses to use him and i i hope he stays i you know it'd be great but i just don't i can't see it i i, I just yeah I, realistically it's not going to happen i think there are a lot of fans of his that want to see him come back and i i get that we all are fans and we all want to see uh a player, you know, wear your uniform and, and someone to root for. But it's just, I don't think it's in the card. Like I said, if I had my choice as a baseball fan slash guy to talk sports with everybody, uh, I want Miller back first, and then I want Allen. And then we'll go from there. I'm not absolutely want Allen back. I'm not concerned because I have Brad Hand. Yeah, uh, It's just, to me, uh, a game changer like a Miller it's just too hard to replace. And if there's one player out there who if you're going to spend big money on, if you told me you you know and and I hate saying either or, you know, I hate these type of scenarios because yeah. I don't think they're realistic. However, if you definitely put down and you said you had $15 million for Michael Brantley or $15 million for Andrew Miller, I'm spending it on Andrew Miller.
1: I agree with that. I agree 100% with that.
0: I you just, you just cannot you cannot replace a game-changing left-handed reliever at the top of the game. I know the last two years he's been injured. I think we seen glimpse last year at towards the end we, of exactly. what he was three years ago. Exactly. Uh, does that mean he's going to be that pitcher again? Who <laughs> no. knows? It's, it's a bullpen pitcher. Anything's possible. Uh, if I was going to roll the dice, the saver I go, Andrew Miller. The, the safer pick is Brantley. Yeah, uh, oh, coming yeah. off his injuries and all that. Uh, but I think the smarter baseball move is is Miller. And we'll see. I you know, you just can't replace pitching. I've I've said it before. Build your team around pitching, you'll find the hitting. Because if you hold a team down to three runs or less in most games, you're gonna win a majority win the of them. Exactly. And and then I think that's where the Indians are at, right? And I think right now, um, you know, Chris Ann and 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 Mike Schirnoff and and Terry Francona and the whole gang that are with them are in that boat. That's where they're thinking. We got to keep our young stars and we got to move forward. And if the deal is right, if the deal is right, we'll make a trade. And if that, it means Kluber. I'll, I'll be disappointed because you just can't replace a Cy Young pitcher. If it's Bauer, I'm more willing to trade him, even though I think his future is really great. just, his his desire in a way he wants to present himself as a baseball player is questionable. Not, well, no, I mean he just it, does. I'm not sure he fits the orthodox. Cleveland Indians. I don't think he fits the Cleveland Indians mold of what they want. The Indians like a Ramirez. They like yes. a Lindor. They like you know uh, players that make commitment to the organization. Yes, we'll pay a little bit more exactly. early for a little less later, and nothing against it. I don't blame any player for maximizing no. their money because you can never, ever be in this position again. And if Michael Brantley gets a great offer from, let's say the San Francisco Giants and he ends up as a giant next year, I get it. And the same with if, if Andrew Miller ends up with the Boston Red Sox, I get it. These things happen. This is what baseball it's free agency baseball. is. And you just, that's what player movement brings. There's just a lot of players out there right now and the market is saturated yep. and teams are more uh, analytically driven. So it'll be interesting to see where all these players land. And, you know, the Indians, like I said, they have their hands sh- hand full of uh quote unquote free agents. And I don't expect any of them to come back. If I had my preference, I hope it's Miller. And then from there, I'm open to anybody. And then, uh, like I said, I think, one player that may fit the Indians the best for as an outfielder even though it would be a short term contract is Melky Cabrera because he's a switch hitter again you know what you're going to get from him and it adds length to your lineup that the Indians want and I think the Indians need right now uh we'll see uh i'm overall i give the Indians trades a, a a solid b i think they're the quality moves making uh trying to maintain your position in your division and also uh you know hopefully improving and shaking it up a little bit uh there's you know four players now who are with the Indians last year that are now off the uh yep. the roster so it's it's it, it's been an interesting off season i think it's it was absolutely necessary to make some of these moves even if it wasn't a financial constraint uh I think that there's times where you can get stale in baseball and you can't have the same team over and over again. And you that. have to make changes. And the Indians are, have always been proactive, uh, especially under Chris Antonetti's lead. And I think he's, to use the old the old saying, uh, in, the, uh, in the camp of, I'd rather trade a player one year too soon than too late. Too late. I think that's exactly where he's at.
1: I agree with that. It's it's honestly right now just a wait and see. Let's let's wait and see because, like you said, I don't think the moves are done, and I think the Indians have proven that, either trading away pieces or a free agent signing. Um, I would like to keep the starting pitching. You can win this division with the starting pitching, and who knows, fully healthy, you can make a run. We have no idea what's gonna unfold. During the season, but you're right. The old adage is that if you can keep the starting rotation together, and you can shrink some timely hits along, you can end up in a situation where you know you're competing again for the ALCS. It, who knows? It, it's way too early to tell right now. Um, I don't think they're done making moves. That's that's the one thing I can probably say for certain with them. they're, they're not done making moves. Getting rid of Kluber would stink, um, but the Indians have made it known they they want major league-ready talent now. They don't want prospects in return for a Bauer or Kluber. I agree with you. I would rather part with Bauer because he, he is unorthodox, and he's not exactly what you picture as a Cleveland Indian if you were to spend time to write down what a – prototypical cleveland indian is but sometimes in a, in an orthodox player is good i mean if he's gonna go out and pitch like he did last year pre-injury fine i will say this i i don't think we're done making moves yet i don't think bauer or cliver will be traded
0: yeah i tend to uh, agree with that. I don't know if that will be the case. Uh, I would say I'm about like 70% in that camp that chances are that you won't. Both of them will be back. I honestly do believe it depends on some movement that goes forward. Yep, uh, I agree with what that. What other teams choose to do and what becomes available. I think the door is going to be open until the, you know, for the next month. And, you know, I think until the end of January, 1st of February, there's that opportunity to make a trade. Uh, The Indians will do it if they believe it's in their best interest and they're getting something in return that they really value. Uh, We don't always agree, but, you know, that's probably true, you know, and that's that's fine. Hey, it's been fun. I enjoyed this offseason so far.
1: Do you feel right now the Indians are in a better place than they were last week at this time? I don't know about that.
0: Uh, I really don't. Or is it too early to tell? Yeah, I think – what we have is a, is a turnover in, in in on the roster and we'll have to w- that's kind of like projecting too far ahead. Uh, I mean, yes, we know what you're gonna get in Santana, but we have no idea we're gonna get if Jake Bowers is going to be on a major league team or not. Mm-hmm. You know we don't know uh, what what will happen in the future. I believe Bowers probably will be in the outfield and playing first base, maybe DH and you know that combination. I just, I, I think he's just an unknown product. Uh, obviously, he batted only 200 last year. Uh, he's a guy with a lot of power, and that's what the Indians were, you know, intrigued by. It. So, and I think they wanted that. They've traded some of that away in the last yep. few years. I'm not going to have Zimmer, uh, you know, Zimmerman back. So, I mean, these are the things matters, you know. Um, I don't know. I think the Indians are still the best team in the the central division coming into the year, as long as their pitching's there, uh, I think last year's trade for Brand Hand, Brad Hand, excuse me, was going forward was a huge, a huge uh, chip to have this off season, and going into the, the, to the uh, spring training, and you know the moves that they've made. Like I said, pitching, 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 and then you don't have enough pitching. And, uh, my hope, my hope as an Indian fan is that Andrew Miller's back. I'm not optimistic about that. I'm just hoping for that. That's where my hope lies. I don't necessarily expect it. If there's one player, of the Indians, uh, if I can magically put on that roster is, it's Andrew Miller. Simple as that. I think he's just that much of a game changer that you have to have. Uh, And he's a game changer not necessarily all season long as much as and he can be. But if he's the Andrew Miller, what you've seen when you traded for him from the Yankees three years ago and the player who uh, could come in and, you know, just shut down an offense for an inning or two in the postseason, it's just, it just can't find players like that. And those are game changers. And that's to me, you're going to roll the dice. Roll the dice with a potential game changer, uh, home runs and you know major uh, major at bats when you least expect it. Those things happen in life, but well, mm-hmm. oh, I tell you what, to come in and shut down an offense in a sixth or seventh inning where you need to absolutely shut them down—that's just too valuable. And I in my opinion, that. uh, that's that's the one wish I have for the Indians this uh, this Christmas season is. Uh, all I want for Chris Christmas is Andrew Miller. <laughs> Miller. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if I'm the Indians, right. that's what I want. Everything else I think we'll, we'll make do. We'll make changes and we'll make do. And I think I'll say it again. I still believe we have the best manager in baseball. And he will make this lineup work. Uh, whoever it may he be and have. whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going forward real quickly here. Uh, yeah. Still with the Indians, but not. Uh, Mike Napoli announced his uh, yeah. retirement the last week or two. Uh, got to read his tweet. What a great class act and, uh, wish him the best. Hopefully, uh, the Indians will find room for him in the future in their front office and coaching staff. And, uh, with a little luck, maybe he will be invited to spring training to work with some players. I know he's a, uh, there's a lot of people, who, uh, and players in the uh, Indians organization that just have, uh, such a respect and love for, uh, for Napoli, so let's you know. I don't know what his choices will be in the future. Obviously, I think coaching is something that he's going to look into deeply. But I love to see Mike Napoli uh, be associated with the Cleveland Indians going forward.
1: Yeah, he uh, for the time he was here, the short time he was here, uh, he made a huge impact on our clubhouse. That was a one of the Indians' best signings in the last years or so. Like just the impact he had not only on the field. Offensively and defensively, I'll put in the clubhouse too. and uh, He's a large reason why we had that special run a couple of years ago. I th- think right now, I would love to see him back as a hitting consultant, as a mentor in spring training or something like that. I think right now, Nat's content sitting back, smoking a couple of stugs, and uh, uh, cracking up a couple of cold ones.
0: You know, the Indians, uh, <clears throat> since Frank Kona has been the manager, Have gotten two major veterans late in their career who made major impact for the Indians, and that, of course, was uh, Jason Giambi and and uh, Mike Napoli. And it's interesting to see how the team has reacted each year after they lost those two players. Not Uh, very well. Yeah, and I mean, last year they did okay. Last year okay, they did okay with that nap. The last two years they've done okay with that nap. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, they won their division, they had opportunities, they just didn't get past the first round. Again, I've always said the key to baseball is to make the playoffs. Yep. Get into the tournament, give yourself an opportunity. That was proven in 2016. If you get on, you know, an opportunity, anything can happen. Uh, if you don't make the playoffs, then you don't have a chance to win the World Series. And the playoffs is a different beast than it used to be. It's a lot longer. It's a lot harder to get to the World Series. And if you're an Indian fan out there, you should understand that the last two seasons because you've had a team that's had an opportunity to play in a playoffs to get to the World Series. It's a lot better to be in that situation and losing the first round than it is to be done at 162 and watching other teams play for that opportunity. And again, right time, right place, right opportunity can happen. That happened to Houston two years ago, and that's what got them a World Series championship. That's what happened three years ago for the Indians, and yep. they came, uh, you know, in extra innings in game seven away from a World Championship. And, and these things happen. Look at the Chicago White Sox. I mean, Chicago uh, Cubs. Yep. They have not done anything since they won the World Series against the Indians. Nope. Uh, they've tried. They're succeeding in a sense, giving themselves opportunities, but they haven't made it back and to the world series it's difficult and every year that's you know only one team stands at the end holding that flag uh you know and that and raising that banner it's just it's you know everyone else is chasing that that thought and that dream and yep. that team that has just achieved it so we'll see but yeah i wanted to uh send out some uh some uh some thoughts and and uh love to uh nap as uh most of the indian fans still love the thought process of it the party at Napoli's that started Absolutely. in cleveland and it was a it was a fun run and i uh, wish him nothing but the best i loved his uh, tweet uh announcing his retirement and uh how he saluted all all the teams that he played yep. for and what it meant each and every team and how how it was uh part of his career and uh you know a major part of his life so uh congratulations to uh, nap And uh, it's unfortunate last year what happened where he went down with that injury. Cause I think as the season progressed, uh, Frank Cono would have found a way to get him on the roster. Absolutely. Uh, You know, probably, you know, and I'm quite honest with you. uh, Melky Cabrera basically replaced him in the lineup. Once he went down, they decided to go out and get a, an outfielder. And and look, he's not the same player. He's different type of personality. No player are are alike. The
1: same, yeah.
0: Yeah. But you know, it was, it was a good move and uh, we'll see. Uh, like I said, I hope the Indians, uh, if I magic eight ball type thing, uh, if I could roll sevens, I want Andrew Miller back. And I do believe with the moves they've made recently, depending on market conditions, Cabrera makes a lot of sense to me. We'll see. Those are the two players that I think the Indians may have an eye on. Uh, going forward who are uh, free agents from the tribe. All right. Let's turn the page here. Yep. Uh, Anthony real quick. Uh, let's talk about the Youngstown State Penguins and their yes. big move as Mark Wade has decommitted from forum and has come out and said he will sign the play with the Youngstown State Penguins at quarterback starting in 2019.
1: T- 10 after a season that was so frustrating and so just so confusing. It was finally nice to have a big time positive note. Oh, it, what a huge signing this is for uh, Coach Pelini What a what a job by Coach Pelini and his offensive staff to go out and get Mark Wade. A credit to them. Uh, is it safe to say this could be Polini's best recruit that he's had at YSU
0: outside of transfers bringing in? Um, it's got to be up there. This is probably, I his, this is huge. Yeah, No, this is the first offensive player, especially from the area who exactly. uh, has the accolades that he's had across the, the state, um, to be part of the, the penguins family. So yeah, uh, this Definitely. is a major sign. Exactly. This is a major recruit. There's no question about it. We, those of us who've had the opportunity to watch him play. Over the last four years, and those of us who are Penguin fans recognize, you know, this is the first legitimate number one quarterback the the Penguins have recruited in really? a long time. Well, since Tom Zetz. yeah, you know, I, I think you have to, you have to respect- go back that far. Yeah, I, I they've so had Hes quarterbacks pretty good. Yeah, Hes Hes good. Was, <laughs> right. But let oh, yes, me yes. take that back. Yes. Hess was really good. Hess deserves a lot of credit. I mean, uh, they didn't win that many games during his tenure, but he was a four year starter. Yep. And I believe Wade has that chance to be a four year starter. And I agree with that 100%. I hope that's the case. I really do. Even if he doesn't win it right out of the blocks, I think eventually I think the coaching staff will, you know, they may just, I mean, I just give I'll it to him. In, I'll put, I'll put was- in. Put in the cart way before the horse here because we haven't, even, uh, you know, gone through a training camp or anything out this summer. But I, my gut feeling is is you install him as your number one quarterback going forward and you work with him to build your offense around his skill sets and, uh, continue to grow him and Mark Wade and the penguins will be a contender again in, in the uh, Missouri Valley football conference and going forward. And, it will be important because he's he's a player who can run. He's a player who can throw the ball, and he's a leader. Uh, those are three exactly. really impressive, impressive uh, characters that he has. And hopefully, this is just the start of another you know big run for here for the Penguins. But hopefully, it's a big recruiting year. Yeah, we get a few more surprises along the way, and uh, they land a I'd few offensive players to go along with him. I'd tell you what. Uh, I know I was
1: elated when Wade announced he was coming to ySU we've you and I have talked about it off the air for a couple of weeks now just how big a recruit he would be and I do think with him enrolling early starting in January in a couple of weeks here uh, that he probably will be if he's not starting for the Sanford game he'll be starting by the second he'll be starting by the third or third or fourth game of the year now I, I'll say that he His arm is just – he's the best pure path we've had since Kurt Hess. Yeah. Um, He's a great runner, um, and he's a winner. And I think eventually that will win out with us needing to stretch the field. We haven't done that sans Hunter Wells for five or six games in 2016. I will say another recruit that impresses me is the kid that we covered from Youngstown East, Chris Fitzgerald. He's a monster up front. Oh yeah! Game against Auburn, uh, you were calling his name every other a defensive snap race and that's going to be a nice get for uh, YSU. But I, I don't know if you watched North Dakota State game last night. I had it no, on. No, I did not
0: have a chance. Yeah,
1: I had it on for most of the game, and I'm communicating back and forth with a friend of mine who's a big YSU fan and an alum. And he said to me, he he said Mark Wade reminds him of a very, very young Easton Stick from North Dakota State. A kid that can run the ball, tough nose, he can make all the throws, but he's a winner and a leader. And I said right now, I can't argue that. I'm not saying he's going to be Easton Stick or he's going to be Carson Wentz or he's going to be anywhere as good as that. But if you look at the physical talent of what he can do, they mirror each other. And if uh, Mark Wade is 70% of the player that Easton Stick is, why is going to be really good. I think once Wade gets comfortable in the offense and the Penguins have things go their way, you're looking at a team that can contend for the Missouri Valley Conference title. With North Dakota State losing uh, Chris Kleinman and losing 24 starters, including Easton Stick, uh, there was no reason this team can't bounce back I've said it and I think you agree with me to a certain extent Last year was kind of a fluke year with all the injuries and just things not fitting and meshing with with McNutt situation and all that it was just a weird year from the beginning it was just it, it was one of those years
0: yeah it was um, and you know I almost say this with the recruit of Mark Wade and the system that he came out of in Gerard. I got to believe that the thought process for the penguins going forward is to revamp that offense around exactly. his skill set. exactly. So we actually see the ball, uh, being thrown around oh. stable him and him, uh, in it, in a empty a backfield short, running game. the ball and throwing the ball. It's going to exactly. be interesting to see. And real quickly, uh, just to get back to last week when we talked about, you know, coach Pelini, you know, uh, yeah. after we got done. It came out a little later that his contract isn't actually up until February. February. So, you know, I expect the announcement to be made in February. Uh, I'm not too concerned. It's just like I said. He's back. Yeah. And and those, there was never, ever a, I think, I think there's a lot of rumors out there, but I don't believe personally uh, he or the school would have put themselves through this uh, downtime without going forward or with the right person. Yeah, I think why if and he would
1: demanded an answer if he were seriously considering it. Well, MVP. yeah, in
0: both ways. I think he would have demanded an answer from them. Yep. And, that's you know, it works both ways. And that's why I said this was just a matter of when the deal is going to get done. It's not if. And, you know, how long that deal is, well, we'll wait and see. Uh, but, yeah, I honestly do believe in the long run we're headed in the right direction. And I'm, I'm excited for the Penguins. I the feel a lot
1: better. I... I Tim, I don't mean to cut you off, but when, son, Tim, was, when Wade signed, when he committed to YSU, I was so fired up. I wanted to go strap on those pads, and I wanted it to be game day against Sanford today.
0: Uh, you I mean, that's you wanted I'm, to get your check down to YSU faster than your season oh tickets would be printed.
1: Oh, my God, Tim. I was, as soon as he, as soon as he came on the Big 22 show and told Shaka Smith, I'm coming home, boy, I I started looking up plant reservations for Alabama on my phone. I am ready. I am jacked up. I am ready. I I am just so excited. Um, and maybe I'm being biased. And maybe I'm overreacting about this. Because I've covered the kid. I've seen him. I've talked to you who've covered him. Uh, this kid is going to be. It, it is so nice to hear. He has a
0: bright future. There's a local no question about
1: it. kid talk how much he loves this area. How much. I read a quote yesterday from him. That said he knew he wanted to go to YSU when he stepped on the field at Stamble for the first time against Youngstown East in that playoff game. And he said he got chills. I mean, it it is so nice to hear a local kid talk highly about Youngstown state. And I think him, Chris Fitzgerald, hopefully Nick Molito. I think that's looking very positive for the Penguins right now, uh, after next season for him to commit, uh, I think the ball is getting rolling now, um, as far as recruiting, and uh, I think we're going to see our Penguins back competing for the playoffs. I I wouldn't be surprised, Tim, if next year at this time we're turning on ESPN and our Penguins are playing.
0: Yeah, that's well, how jacked say, up I am. Let me say this: I think Nick Melita is going to be a very sought-out young man going forward. Oh, I agree with that. I I, I agree with definitely that. believe uh, on this level. Uh, his touchdown pass that he caught in the championship game where he pulled away from the defense and ran 70 yards to the end zone. <laughs> Showed the speed and the athleticism of uh, Nick Melito. And I honestly do believe uh, Youngstown's going to have a lot on their shoulders to try to to recruit him. I think he's going to be very much looked at because uh, that was a play on a major stage that made many made coaches, coaches go wow. Yeah, 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 they they all know, of a sudden they, all of the, all of a sudden uh that name was jot down and a lot of film will be coming their way. Yep. And that's just <laughs> the way it works. And uh and you know what and that's that's fine and that's the way it should work. Uh and that, whatever there. decision uh goes forward for him in the future as always we always wish the best for all of the athletes that we come across. Uh Uh, Real quick here. Uh, I have not started it, but I'm going to do it, I believe tomorrow and we'll try to get it out as soon as possible. I'll have the running with the Canes episode one coming out here very soon. And, uh, it'll, of course, like I mentioned earlier, not like the scoreboard show is going to just feature the Canes Mm -hmm. in their season. And it should actually, uh, be pretty entertaining. I think as, uh, we will, you'll hear from coach Blundo throughout the season. Um, our good friend, my partner, James Dotson, will be on the uh, the program with us and uh, maybe some coaches from the, the opposing side uh, each week if we have a chance to talk to them and use them in the podcast too. Plus highlights from the game. So I'm looking forward to trying to break that down. I uh, haven't really got a chance to start it. We're going to have a three-game episode to uh, kick it off and uh, hopefully they will be released this week. The Canes are playing good. They actually played tonight. Yeah. against freeport uh on uh on this saturday night in uh in uh, newcastle i will not be there we're not broadcasting oh, that game no we're not broadcasting mm-hmm. that game uh they actually have seven games going on there tonight yeah they have a big newcastle. haul. yeah exactly Kansas so it's starting to matter area. fact the first game is already underway it started an hour ago with the with the newcastle uh ladies so uh wish them the best and uh canfield plays out there uh, uh later yeah five
1: thirty tonight yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and if you have a chance, if you're interested in Kennedy Catholic, I know that's over in Sharon. You can see them anytime. But they got two games, uh, uh, the ladies and the boys, uh, both play over there at Newcastle this week or, or today. So uh, if you're in that area and want to see high school basketball, highly recommend uh, get over there and see the uh, that tournament that's going on today over there. It should be a lot of fun. And uh, I look forward to we got our next game is uh, next Fr- I believe next Friday night to the 18th. Take that back. It'll be the on the 18th, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night, night. Tuesday yep. and Friday. And we're back and then we'll be pretty much that way. The rest of the year, uh, we'll take about a 10 day break for uh, the holiday break and then we'll be back at it. And from that point on, it's just like two games a week. So should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. And real quickly, Anthony, yeah. here we go. You yeah. and I never <laughs> get a chance to do this because a, they don't play that often. And B, Usually it doesn't matter. So I'm willing to make a, and I haven't told you this, what I call a t-shirt bet with you. (laughs) Well, Tim, I would make
1: that bet if I thought the Broncos had a chance tonight. (laughs) So
0: you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith.
1: I will say this. I think that game's over at halftime tonight.
0: Wow. Wow. I think it.
1: I, I think it's going to be a Baker Mayfield coming out party. And let me, I don't, I think the Browns roll tonight. I, I would be surprised if
0: that game was in 14 points. I'll say that. Wow. That's, uh, that's, I, I, I'm i expecting a closer game, but uh, obviously, I, you know, where my, my, uh, I lie with I'll the, uh, with the Cleveland question Browns. Question. Yeah, go ahead.
1: If I wrote down Baker Mayfield's numbers and you, and you had no idea who he played for, or anything, that, anything else. If you look at his numbers, would you agree that's a playoff team he's on? Uh, I say or potentially. For one at the plus yes. five hundred.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, here's yeah. the thing: the NFL's built for this type of scenario. You have the bad teams, you have the great teams, and there's a you know. There's pretty good teams this year. There's no great team. There's about four or five teams that you could say that they're going to head for 11, 12, 12 win seasons this year. And that's fine. And, yep. that, and that's quality. That's a, that's a really good team. The NFL is built for that seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and 17. To yep. keep you in the realms in the of biggest possibility biggest all year. Well, the realms of possibility all year is what I call it. As they you have a chance to make the playoffs. It's like, the Browns are not mathematically out of it. The Browns win out. They have an opportunity. Things have to break their way. It's only like a 7 or 8% chance when you break it down percentage-wise. But they're in it. And that's what the NFL wants. And, look, this is exciting. You know, as a Browns fan, you're 5-7-1 and one for goodness sake. There's <laughs> nothing to write home about. But that's five more wins than we've seen this year than well, we've seen last years. year. Four more years, and that's that's five wins more than we've seen over a two-year stretch. So I mean, it's just it's outrageous. Uh, we'll see where where it all leads. There is, but you know what? I, there's no better story in the NFL if a eight seven one Cleveland Brown team's ends up winning the division. There's no better story in the NFL. It doesn't matter what happens from that point on uh, in the playoffs. Slash, you know, going forward. Uh, if someone said the Browns could go winless to making the playoffs and uh, winning the division, let alone. And that would be about Pittsburgh doing the complete collapse, which is yeah. possible, which yeah, is possible. And I work with would, the guy. But if you told me at the beginning of the season that in week 17, the Browns Ravens game is going to matter. I said, yeah, it will matter for Baltimore. Yep. I would never believe it would matter for both teams. Uh, let alone, uh, having the Browns in that conversation. And and the first step is today. We'll see what happens, but yeah, simple bet. Uh, you wear a Browns t-shirt. I'll wear, uh, wear a Broncos t-shirt on the next podcast. If we, uh, whoever wins.
1: Ah, all right. You know, I'll be wearing a broncher. I think that I think the Browns has won over a halftime. There is a guy that I know. He's a big Steelers fan. Yes. He said, there is a better chance for the Browns to win the North than his beloved Steelers.
0: Well, I think he most Steelers fans are. He has no hope in. Well, Steelers that's in that's, that's where the Steelers are. This is what Steeler fans are. It's either joy or it's absolute the worst scenario in the world. There is no in between for Steelers. Because
1: fans. another guy I know thinks they're going to win out and they're guaranteed to go to the Super Bowl, and this guy says they're done. They're finished. He wants Tomlin – he wanted Tomlin go two years ago.
0: Yeah, it, I don't know. Mike uh, Tomlin's done a pretty good job there over the years, and I understand. Man, I just think their that. team's getting old. Oh, I think very they, old. And I think they're They seem to do this, though. Well, I think they're actually seeing the results of not having a Le'Veon Bell all season now. Yep. That weapon, not in the lineup, is making a difference. And it's unfortunate – but that's the choices the Steelers organization chose to make and the and a decision that Le'Veon Bell chose to make. And we'll see what goes forward there. Uh, could this be the tipping? Will this be the the story of the tipping point where the Steelers come back down to uh, 500 or less team in the future? It's yeah. possible. It's very, very possible. I mean, the reason why the Steelers have a chance to win is because of Ben Roethlisberger. He's that good of a quarterback. I agree. Uh, He's not saying he's a great quarterback, but he gives you an opportunity. And he proved that last week. You know, he was on the sidelines and they didn't put him back in and they fall behind. And he put this team in a position to win a ball game at the last minute. Uh, That's what a quarterback does. That's what Baker Mayfield may be for the Cleveland Browns going for in the future. It looks like he can be that guy. It's too early to say that, but he looks like he's a game changer. And... You need a game changer, a quarterback. I don't care who you are, and uh, you need it. Without it, you don't have a chance. I'll even take a late Peyton Manning career in, in Denver as a game changer versus anybody else because quarterbacks like that just don't come around every day. And, you know, Denver was smart. They went after Peyton Manning when they did back in the day, and they had opportunities to win Super Bowls, and they did. And mm-hmm. that's what it's about. The NFL is about the quarterback. I used to years ago think ah you can get away with a with a with a mediocre quarterback on a good on a good team, you no. know those days are long gone. No, the John Gruden win with with Johnson at quarterback or over. Gone. Yeah, they're I over. just don't
1: you have to have happen. a playmaker.
0: Yeah, you have to have a quarterback who can make a play. And all the quarterbacks who've won Super Bowls in the last ten years have led their teams in the playoffs making big plays. Yep, and we'll be interested to see uh it's a lot to ask of a rookie quarterback uh however i think the browns are headed in the right direction another you know that's a long time from now to talk about who the head coach will be uh is william in, is in the conversation i guess he is but i don't think he's uh solidified that position anytime soon yeah. i think the browns are going to actually go through the process and try to find the right person going forward and Knowing John Dorsey and or giving John Dorsey the credit for the plays, the players that he's picked over the years, either at Kansas City or now with the Browns. Uh his last two quarterback choices were pretty damn good. You you can have Vance Joseph uh, next year if you want. (laughs) Uh, You never know. I doubt it. But uh going forward, yeah. Have him. I'll throw in a bag of candy too. Well, I'm sure that the the chances of him coming back or better uh than miami seeing a snowball this year.
1: I hope so. I don't want him anywhere near a mile high. Yeah. Anywhere near mile high.
0: Yeah. The altitude between Miami and mile high. That's the <laughs> ch- <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, don't, I I think him climbing that, no, that, that means- mountain is is less than that less than predictable. Let's put it that way. It's not gonna happen. I hope to God not. Yeah. I want it, I he's there's gonna be a change in Denver.
1: I hope so I hope. Uh, hey, I
0: need hey, to give me... hey, Hugh Jackson's out there if you want him.
1: No. No. <laughs> no. i would take Josh McDaniels part two again before I, before I do. Josh you McDaniels
0: will are... probably be a head coach somewhere next year. I think so. Yeah. I, I, I don't I, know even where. Though, but... Even though uh, what happened in Indianapolis happened, I think some organization well, will hire him. And, and it could be the Cleveland Browns. I'm not saying down. it will be. Uh, who knows going forward? But someone's going to take that opportunity. He's just too intriguing of a of a coaching candidate not to. And we'll we'll see. I'm blowing out hope in... for
1: John Harbaugh.
0: There you go. That's my hope, John, <laughs> not Jim. Well, let's say you know what. If Balmer makes the playoffs this year. I think he stays in Baltimore. Yeah, I do too. That's why uh, if Balmer <laughs> yeah yeah. If-
1: yeah, if Ballmer wants to lose, because I'm thinking of the possibility of a John
0: Harbaugh defense and uh,
1: Gary Kubiak come back as offensive coordinator,
0: yeah, I'll be right in the mile high. I think Gary Kubiak's football days on the sidelines are done. I what think a that's-
1: man hope when the season's over.
0: Uh, well, go to church. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> go to church.
1: Let a man have false hope. All right. Let me have false hope
0: until baseball season starts again, please. There you go. Hey, we got a lot of basketball between now and football season. So running with the Canes coming your way soon here on Radio MVP for my partner, Anthony in Canfield. I'm Tim here in Portman. We will talk to you all again when we get together to do episode 58 of the Radio MVP podcast. Thanks for tuning in, downloading. Don't forget to find us all on social media and all that good stuff. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. What the hell? I haven't asked that for a while. What the uh, hell? Well, actually, you know, and give us a, a rating and a review, all right? With that in mind, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.